0: Today we have a very interesting topic, a very important topic that I have learned a lot about just talking to uh, Tyler earlier. Um, But we are talking with Tyler from Hyper, which are banking solutions via technology. And I still am having a hard time understanding what that means. So I know a lot of you out there don't understand as well. And I hope that this uh, webcast provides some great information for you out there if you do own a license um, to make a decision to use a platform like this. Anyway, welcome to the show, Tyler. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. Appreciate it.
0: So tell me how you got into cannabis.
1: <clears throat> oh boy. Uh, you know, I, I've had an interesting path. So I uh, grew up in Arizona, went to school in California, and Arizona, signed to play baseball, so did that for a long time. Was on the East Coast and then uh, started a beverage company, of all things, and uh, had a really good run. Uh, and as I was exiting, I met the CEO of, of Hyper. Uh, and at the time, the, the company was in infancy and just about to start. And so I became, you know, one of the, if not the first actual employee of the company nearly six and a half years ago. So, Um, I literally got thrown into a bank in Colorado day one and that's where it all started. So.
0: Wow. How exciting. Well, what kind of beverage?
1: Uh, it was a natural sports drink.
0: Oh, natural Uh, sports drink.
1: Yeah. So it was, uh, it was great. It was a a wonderful experience, but, uh, I will not be getting back into the beverage industry anytime soon. Let me put it that way.
0: Even if it's mixed with cannabis, Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) it's a rough rough business.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine. However, this banking thing, I mean, um, I know that I believed uh, when I go to a dispensary that if they only accepted cash that they didn't have access to banking and shame on me for not knowing. Um, So can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, this has been a long, painful path for the industry, right, To, to get access to banking. But um, there's a lot of misinformation in the media, and as it stands today, the overwhelming majority of legal licensed operators throughout the country have a transparent, normal banking relationship. So this myth that the industry is unbanked or banking is this massive problem for the industry is, is very um, exaggerated uh, and, and it, nothing near what it was you know, four or five years ago.
0: Right. So basically, if you're a dispensary out there or a cultivation or any type of license, there is access to banking.
1: Correct. Now, every state's got a different dynamic. So in some states, you may have one institution serving the entire market. In other states, you may have eight. Right. So you've got to understand where to go, who's doing what in each market. But there are institutions in in virtually every single state in the country now that are openly banking this industry and have built out the regulatory compliance capabilities to do so for the long term.
0: And you can help them find one. So at the end of this, if somebody didn't have a bank, you know, they could talk to you about it and you could give different Great, yeah. No.
1: I mean, We've probably sent maybe a couple thousand people at this point to their banking relationship over the last six and a half years. So we know who's doing what, where. Uh, many of those institutions are our clients on the technology side, okay. and so I'm um, happy to, you know, feed anybody to an institution that will bank them.
0: So uh, give me some examples. Um, let's talk about probably the hardest state and maybe the easiest state. You know, when you said there might be one, there might be eight, so talk to me about that.
1: The hardest two, the, the two most difficult states at the moment are Alaska and Montana. And for whatever reason, and, and there's some, some issues with the Fed and the way the money moves in Alaska that have made it a little problematic. Um, and then in Montana, there hasn't been a clear entrance to the space. But I'm um, so those are the two most difficult. But, you know, I would say the easiest are probably Colorado, Washington State. Um, in Washington State, there are seven institutions openly banking it, at least at this point. Um, in Colorado, there are, you know, estimates from five to ten. Um, California's opening up quickly. Uh, and so um, California had an issue prior to, to 2018 where, institutions were not willing to bank the industry there because it didn't have a finite regulatory framework. As a bank or credit union. How do I bank an operator if I can't even determine whether or not they're complying with state or local law and my regulators sure aren't going to feel comfortable with me doing that. So when they implemented their framework in January 1, 2018, we started to see a number of institutions come in to bank that market and that problem has quickly resolved itself.
0: So you, um, the challenge with banks right, was the regulatory compliance. How do I know if you are a uh, licensed following the rules in a, in a state versus the black market? And it would cost the banks a lot of money to maintain that. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, so, so it's, it's a combination of a couple things. One, when this market first launched, people have to understand that from a regulator perspective, they were given no guidance on how to examine an institution banking this industry so they had to learn with the banks and credit unions that were willing to take the risk to bank it so as a banker credit union I had to make the determination of whether or not I wanted to risk my charter to bank a federally illegal industry my regulators then had to come in and try and understand the industry well enough to examine me the best they could right so it was this big giant gray area at the beginning and you know, fast forward six and a half years, regulators have gotten much more comfortable examining institutions banking in this space. Some of them even have dedicated teams that examine the institutions banking the state legal cannabis space. Um, and, you know, we've seen regulators really help behind the scenes to propel institutions. And in. so I think, you know, a big, a big part of it is that. The other part of it is, and, and it's important for people to realize, there are industries that are perfectly legal today have been essentially shut out of the banking system just like cannabis because they pose a significant regulatory compliance burden to any bank or credit union trying to bank them so this is not just a cannabis problem it's a highly regulated industry problem um and and that's what we were built to solve at the core
0: so was that is that gambling
1: it could be uh payday lending cross-border remittance gun and ammo gambling um any, any industry that has, I'm gonna say, mass monetary movement, um, it poses a challenge to institutions that are trying to monitor those accounts on a daily basis.
0: Okay, so then hyper shows up, and what do you do for, uh, for that problem?
1: So think of us as, as the technology backbone for institutions trying to serve the market. So everything they do is they interact with the industry, whether it be underwriting, Uh, All the way through the ongoing monitoring, we help them with real time data sets that put them in a proactive, not reactive approach. We help them eliminate blind spots and and prevent money laundering before it has a chance to happen. And we automate their processes in a way that enable them to really scale within these industries. Um,
0: Your technology literally can spot something like money laundering. Correct. Yep. Wow. So how does that work?
1: Well, we, we do integrations with many of the point-of-sale providers. And so one of the things that's unique with us is, is if I'm at the bank union level, I can see data on transactions as they're occurring. So if, if a, a retailer, let's say they do $100,000 worth of transactions in a day, and I get a deposit for $250,000, well, that's a red flag. I'm not going to accept that deposit because I know that that's not what happened at that dispensary. During the course of the day. Got
0: it. Okay.
1: And we them automate wow. the reporting and things like that as well. So, and that's just one one small aspect.
0: So, do you do this in other industries, or did you guys you starting in this industry?
1: Yeah, we we've uh, institutions use us to bank many of those industries that I, I referenced. So they call them money services businesses, um, and we are headed towards other industries, sure. way on the payment side as well. So. Um, We will start to bleed into those other high-risk industries here soon.
0: It's amazing to me because, yes, banking was such a big thing, obviously starting in 2010. um, And there was so many people trying to solve this problem. So it's pretty awesome that you guys, uh, you know, brought this to fruition. Um, And so let's talk about credit card processing. I know that me personally on LinkedIn gets bombarded yeah. by we truly have uh, legal credit card processing. And so I know that there's been some big things around this. Um, so let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. I, I, in the industry, it, it, anytime people see dollar signs, unfortunately it brings out the worst and you know, the credit card process side or the, or the payment side has really been a glaring example of that. Um, credit cards are not permissible until federal legality, period. The brand of card networks have made that abundantly clear. The SAFE Act will not change that. If you're running a credit card product, you've committed fraud to do so in the cannabis industry. And really? so, yes. So. Okay. Uh, so people asked me, they said, well, it's, is it a crime to run credit cards? I said, it's a crime to misrepresent the nature of your business on an application to a bank or credit union when you're trying to get credit card processing set up. That's fraud. Okay, um, so, so
0: wait, but back up. So, so talk. To, tell me that again.
1: Yeah, so, so banks and credit unions acquire for Visa, MasterCard, or the branded card network. So transactions occur through those institutions that are set up as acquirers for the branded card networks
0: got it
1: okay because cannabis is prohibited until federal legality for me as a cannabis operator to offer credit cards to my consumer base I have to commit fraud on an application because I asked to, to misrepresent the nature of my business on that application to gain access Understood. and that's I don't understand and so okay. if you, there was a, a, a huge lawsuit um, of a delivery company in California their competitors sued them and said look essentially because you've committed fraud, you've gained an unfair business advantage True. as an operator. I believe that's still in the court system, but in the meantime, the Department of Justice went after the group that was committing the fraud on a large scale, uh, and that, was, that became public knowledge, I believe, about 60 days ago. So, so
0: credit card processor.
1: Credit card processor. Well, it's, so- a, it's, it's the person that committed fraud To give this company access to credit card processing on a grand scale.
0: Okay, so that's Ease. So could Ease feasibly say, "Well, the credit card company lied to me. They said that this was legal."
1: I can't. I'm I'm not an attorney, so I don't want to really comment on that. But
0: that's. I mean, I don't know if that happened, but
1: I think think anybody would be hard pressed to. uh, um, take the stance that they didn't know the branded card network were, were opposed at this point. I mean, it's it's been abundantly clear the information's readily available. Um, if somebody's masking something, I would imagine they know what they're doing.
0: So do you think all these credit card company, processing companies think that it's legal or do you think they no. know? Okay. I think right. they
1: know. Yeah, I think they know because really? like, you have to miss when they fill out the application, if they're doing it on behalf of somebody, they have to knowingly misrepresent the nature of the business to get something like that approved. Um, and so it's, it's just a, it's a bad situation, and it's, it's bleeding in the same types of things are happening with other payment methods in this space as well. Like? The cashless and reverse ATMs right now. Uh, I've seen a lot of operators, even, even very well-respected multi-state operators, Go down the path of of launching cashless or reverse ATMs, those are also fraudulent. They will also get shut down. And it's a matter of time before many of these people end up on the front page of, of the paper, you know, with a headline that they really don't want. So um, unfortunately, the industry's still learning some lessons that, you know, um, have taken a long time.
0: Wow. Very interesting. This is really important information and You know i don't have a license so you know i I really haven't paid attention too much i haven't needed a bank account but wow i know that um with my lab i had a bank for three years and then somebody i bounced a check for seventy (laughs) dollars and somehow the bank the bank everybody in the bank knew what i did i never lied and almost all of them had their medical card because this is back in 2010 and then with that, uh, that check that bounced, it was like some weird name, like green something, and the regional manager happened to see it and was like, what's this? So yeah, they dropped me like a hot potato. But anyway, um, okay, so now this becomes really, uh, really important with COVID. The contactless payment solution um, is something that you guys rolled out. So what is that?
1: Yeah. So um, we started again as a reg tech and we understood that from the beginning that on the payment side for the cannabis industry, this is not a payment problem. It's a banking problem. And what I mean by that is because banks and credit unions originate transactions, if they can't solve the regulatory compliance side to bank the industry, the payment mechanism was never going to survive. And so it took us a very long time to build that foundation and network of banks and credit unions. But we launched HyperPay nationwide about 15 months ago um we've had a ton of success and then with covid we launched a contactless version of that product and so um and i'll give you an example uh, wow. we have a, one one really great client of ours is caliva in california and Leva was using a third party for delivery um, they decided to bring the entire platform in-house uh and we we're very fortunate to partner with them on the payment side so everything they do from a delivery side if it's if it's digital is, is through us. so a consumer can download our app off the Apple or Google Play Store they can okay. set up quick profile um, during that process they click on the logo of the bank they're banking with very much like a, a sign up for Venmo okay their credentials and they choose a four-digit code once they've done that once they can go to go to caliva.com place a delivery order when the driver shows up the consumer receives a secure text message with a link They click on the link, they enter their four digit code on their device and the transaction is done. Our clients, our bank clients move the money from the consumer's account directly into theirs. So it's a direct bank to bank transfer model. So Um, no
0: payment, no processing. No payment processing.
1: There's no no branded card involvement whatsoever. These are banks that openly bank the state legal cannabis industry, move the money from the consumer's account into the merchants wow
0: so okay and god it's so hard to wrap my head my head around this it yeah, is definitely lot, not, it is definitely not my skill set um, um okay so then i started ordering online uh, with covid uh, via dutchy i had never done that before um i do like to go to the dispensary um but pretty much forced to do that. So um, you work with Dutchie as well. Obviously you have to work with Dutchie because since they're the most known um, menu, correct?
1: They are. Yeah. Great group. Uh, They're, you know, obviously their success has been well-documented and their founder is a a really savvy person that's done this before in other industry uh, and certainly understands it. And they're a great partner of ours. Um, you've got some other delivery providers in in the space that are doing really well too. Um, so yeah, they're, they're great.
0: And you just hook into their platform.
1: Correct. So it's a, it's a seamless integration. So there's not a need for multiple entry or multiple use of systems. So everything happens right through Dutchie.
0: And then this is bank to bank again. Right. So this is, you have no processing payment processing. Nope. So, obviously, there have been people in trouble, namely ease. And would you say this is just the first one and yeah. many others to come?
1: Without question. And, and look, there are some that get publicized and there are some that don't, right? And, and unfortunately, I hear the stories when an operator makes a short sighted decision and in some cases lose seven figures and they don't want publicly to publicly, you know, so they're, they're kind of. Running interference a little bit, but it happens more than you would think. Um, and you know, it's it's the cashless ATMs and reverse ATMs will be next, um, and I believe that will happen very soon. Uh, and then you know, you've got some companies that have tried to go after this from a stored value perspective, so like a loadable card, uh, and those have also ended in a really bad fashion. Um, so the number- store
0: offers you a card?
1: No, it's 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 a it's a card where you would load. card oh like a prepay used yeah Uh, but the problem is anytime you hear of a scenario like that you're pulling funds into a bank account somewhere for the purchase of a federally illegal product and again from a risk perspective and getting back to this is a banking problem not a payments problem it's a fatally flawed model and that's proven out over the years as well
0: so talk to me about the um, negative atm or whatever just in case people don't understand what that means
1: yeah cashless atm is essentially a a terminal that sits on the counter you put your your debit or atm card in you enter your pin and it's rung up as a physical atm transaction so you have to you have to transact in certain dollar increments but the entire model is fraudulent and the card is still being used at the point of purchase for the purchase of product regardless of how they want to disguise it so um, I will say that those products are on some, some radars that you don't want to be on. Uh, and, and again, it's it'll be not for long. Um, so the, the, my bigger concern about those products are we've actually seen technology providers in the space partner with those companies and raise money based on the fact that they think they're gonna get revenue from transaction volume. And my fear is that investors have put money in thinking that that's going to happen long-term and, and unfortunately it's not. So I think we're going to see some, some blood in the streets as a result.
0: And guess what? I don't feel bad at all. I mean, if you're an investor, I'm sorry, but you need to do your due diligence. You're giving somebody money that you do not know, or even if you do know in a hypersensitive um, industry like this, um, you know, shame on you. Yep. And that's when I think every investor needs to talk to talk to a professional, um, you know, about a lot of things. But banking tax, you know, those are those are serious problems. Um, yeah. and a lot of people still don't know about the tax problem. Yeah. So um wow, that's very interesting. And I'm wondering if the investors are gonna be able to sue for not knowing, but again.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, it it, it wouldn't surprise me if they could.
0: <laughs> Isn't that the truth? So um, one of the things is you said it's especially important for cannabis businesses to vet their partnerships and build trusted relationships with vendors, given the complex nature of the industry. So along those lines, how do how do you do due diligence? How do you check on this? I mean. I did not know about this, um, so I'm pretty sure a lot of people out there don't know, especially in the newer markets.
1: Are you talking about from a payment perspective? Um,
0: yeah, just just um, licensees in general. Um, yeah. You know How do they go about doing their due, due diligence?
1: You know, some operations have brought in people that really get payments. Um, I would say very few. Understand it. Um, and I think they would have to have a, a background in cannabis and some kind of financial services to really understand what's going on and why they shouldn't take a short sighted approach and, and kind of the issues. But um, I think that people just need to, there are resources out there that can really help. Um, and and I, I know this is going to sound selfish, it's not meant to be that way. I mean, we've helped people for six and ah. a half years find their banking relationships, advise them on payments. Now, some will. take that advice and disregard it. Um, You know, and unfortunately, I get the panic phone call three to six months later. Um, But, you know, it's it's part of the industry and we understand and we are here to help. Uh, We have been from the beginning and I hope that people understand that.
0: Yeah, no, and that's why I'm bringing it up is uh, at some point you have to trust somebody that has a track record. You know, you guys do have a track record and I'm sure that uh, you could give you know, referrals or, or recommendations and give, uh, new people, um, companies to call so they can talk to them about you. I think that's very important. And I think a lot of people don't think about doing that. Um, so you provide a transparency into who, what, where, and when on every transaction. So do you, do you provide a report to the bank? How does that work?
1: The bank has that information internally. So so. in many cases, we fall into the privacy policy of the financial institutions because at the end of the day, they're our clients, right? So th- this information is recorded for compliance purposes for them. And that's what, again, that foundation is what makes us different from anybody that's tried to attack this from a payment perspective. And it's the reason why, um, you know, from a longevity, a sustainability standpoint, we're very different than anything else that that this market has um, in in the best way possible. And again, I don't mean to say that boastfully, it's just, it's a testament to our founders.
0: Yeah. And so if I was a bank, I'd want to call you guys.
1: Yeah. Uh, We get calls from institutions every week uh, that want to know about the industry. They want to understand it. Um, As you know, every state is its own planet. No two are alike. And that's from a licensing perspective, the regulatory regime. You know, people sometimes don't understand that you've got federal banking credit your regulators, and then in many cases you have state banking credit your regulators. So, you know, there's from time to time some ambiguity there that needs to be uh, dealt with. Uh, and so um, we've we're far enough down the rabbit hole at this point where we understand who's doing what where, um, and we can really help. Um, not only the financial institutions, but also the industry.
0: So was this a hard sell to the banks in the beginning?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we were a new technology selling into a channel that didn't necessarily want to acknowledge whether or not they were banking the state legal cannabis industry, you know, and then another thing that people don't understand is when you're a vendor to a bank or credit union, your your vendor due diligence requirements are through the roof i mean the audits we have to go through on a yearly basis are, you know yeah it's it's not fun um and so um, all of those things factor into selling into this channel but fortunately for us you know we had success early we built the technology based on real-time feedback from regulators and our bank and credit union clients and that's enabled us to really expand rapidly and so um a a large percentage of the institutions banking this industry at this point in the u.s are our clients
0: so now when you call banks i'm sure it's a lot easier
1: you know fortunately we if somebody's contemplating it they either call us somebody that knows them calls us you know i I mean we get to them one way or another which is really nice because it it didn't wasn't always that way
0: Well, and I'm sure there's banks out there that want to bank in the industry, but don't want to go through the manual, you know, ordeal and the regulation and the compliance of the the whole thing. I mean, the first banks and credit unions, man, they were doing a lot of work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even now today, I mean, some of the bigger ones that have done this manually, I mean, their staff sizes are huge. You know, they're massive because they have to have, you know, uh, an FTE for every you know, however many accounts, and that gets very expensive.
0: So what's the end game for Hyper? Is it a exit to a bank?
1: You know, I, I don't know if we we really know what that end game, it could go so many different directions, right? Right, um, yeah. For us, I think we're looking at at other industries right now. Sure. Card, where there's some huge opportunity, and we also understand that eventually the brand of cards will come into this on the payment side. And so we're building, Ah. we're building a company in our network to accommodate that when it comes, right? And so, um, so that's kind of on the cannabis side. And then with all the other verticals, I mean, we see some real opportunity and and that, that those conversations seem to be moving quickly.
0: So you don't really have a competitor, do you?
1: No. I mean, people will say- A (laughs)
0: legit competitor.
1: Yeah. I mean, well- People will say that they're competitors, and with all due respect, I mean, I, you know, I've seen some great companies come out and and try and attack this, but um, I think just purely even from a from the fact that we have built so much of our company and our technology off of real life experience over the last six and a half years, um, and the network of banks and credit unions we have, I mean, you know, I wish wish everyone the best of luck if they're going down this path because it's it's not an easy road um well
0: it's not easy in cannabis and then add on the financial part you know um you know what i one of the things i love about this industry is that it's created so many entrepreneurs because there wasn't your typical xyz right your adp um paychecks all of those kind of things that that people had to get creative um to to do some of these things and and I love that I love that and it looks like you guys have definitely um, taken advantage of a big hole in this industry.
1: Yeah we have And, and to your point it's been fascinating to watch you know not only not only from a technology standpoint but then you look at what operators have done in different markets to deal with the regulatory regime or restrictions and it's been it's just been a fascinating seat at the table. Um, and then on the bank of credit and regulator side, I mean, you know, again, going back to to regulators, I mean, they had to, they've made some drastic changes internally over the years because they had to, you know, this wasn't going back in the bag. They knew that their clients were going to have to deal with it. So they've come a long way too. And and just seeing the innovation in every aspect of this industry, um, and how it's benefited everybody. It's, it's been, it's been fun to watch.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. I remember going to my buddy's extraction lab, and you know they had all the cash in a in a safe, and opened it up, and it was like, okay, here you go, here's your. Here. I mean, they would have to hire a person to just count money. Yep. And, and remember, cashier's checks.
1: I remember sitting in in what I believe was the first bank in Colorado to to do it, and I was in a conference room, and we had a meeting and the conference room backed up to a major road and one of the logistics companies pulled up and the guys got out with bags of, bags of cash to the point where the cash was sticking out of the top of the bags. And they walked across, you know, and people were walking down the street just staring at it, you know, and they walked in and, you know, made their deposit and then left. But uh, yeah, I've seen some, I've seen some crazy things in this space. Well, and at point. the
0: beginning it was, you know, how come we can't get a bank but we take all the cash to pay the state all of their tax money, but then they could put it in
1: a bank. It just- here's, So here's here's why. Okay. Um, people know this. So a a banker credit unit banks a state, okay? okay. money's come in for tax revenues. Those monies are exempt from money laundering, oversight and law. So a bank doesn't have risk if they're accepting tax revenues, Whereas if an example, I got a frantic phone call from a government official in a state that was about to launch a program and one of the dispensaries in the initial legislation was going to be state owned. And the concern was, well, we can accept the tax revenues, but if we're accepting direct revenues from the industry, we then as a state become a marijuana related business and our tax accounts, going to get shut down. And so, the oh. legislation was rewritten, you know, in a way that, that kept them out of the penalty box. But, you know, those are things that people don't necessarily think about, but they're happening, you know, on a regular basis in the space.
0: Yeah, we always were like, that is such a bunch of crap. That it is,
1: it is, you it know, is. I agree. Um,
0: yeah. Well, I'm glad the state didn't get a dispensary. I, I'm, you know, a whole lot of, you know, be careful with what you wish for, because when things go legal, you don't know, we don't know where they're gonna go. We have yep. no idea. And yep. you know, we better, everybody be. Everybody should be ready for who knows what's gonna happen. Um, I did have a very good friend in the, the beginning. She owned four dispensaries and she had uh, either 20 or 30 grand in cash that she was taking home cause she missed the bank. And she stopped by Panera to grab some food and left, and left it in the car. And it was a smash and grab, um, but the good news was they didn't follow her home. Yeah, because they saw her leave the dispensary. I mean, everybody knew the dispensary dealt in cash. Yeah. So it wasn't that hard. And luckily, you know, there's no, there was no real insurance back then, so it's just like I remember.
1: I remember day one in Colorado, there were some some like mom and pop cash logistics pickup companies, and online. They would map their routes by time and day so everybody knew where they were going to be. And, you know, we're sitting back, you know, at the bank going, guys, I might want to rethink this a little bit. Just, you know, um, yeah. let's, let's be a little safer than this. But, yeah, uh-huh. I, I've seen it.
0: Just crazy. Well, is there any good story, another story like that that you could tell us that you could think about that, you know, would make a, an operator go, wow, I really need to do this?
1: Uh, you know I don't know if there's any stories that come to, I mean there are but I don't know if, I don't know I if this, to talk about them yeah that was the appropriate place to tell some of those but um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I would just say you know again to the industry utilize resources that have been around for a long long time and that are trustworthy and I know it's, it's not always easy to find but they are out there um, there's some really good people in this space um, and, and try and keep your network small all when you find those people, because um, for every good one, there are, you know, 15, 20 bad ones.
0: And boy, do I know. I lost lost the company. I, you know, learned the hard way, but, um, but there are good people in this industry. And, you know, those days that are down, you know, I've got to think about all the amazing people that I've met. And yeah, we call it the tribe. Find your tribe here.
1: Yeah. Hang on to them. I agree. I agree.
0: Well, great, Tyler. How can people get a hold of you?
1: Uh, so my, my information is pretty ri- readily available through the website. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, very accessible there. And my email address is in my profile on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I would think most people probably have my number at this point. So um, it sh- shouldn't be hard to track down.
0: Well, great. Yeah, that's, I mean, I appreciate you coming on. And I, sh- I always want people to come on to educate uh, the listeners. I think it's extremely important. And of course, banking is one of the most important things. So yeah. uh, is there anything else that you can think of that we needed to talk about?
1: Uh, the only <laughs> thing I, I guess I'll kind of leave off with and it kind of goes to the overall theme is, is to everybody. I mean, understand you're in the compliance business now if you're in this space. And you know, if, if you find a banking relationship and they're asking you for something, do it because they're not asking to be difficult. They're asking because the regulators are saying, "Look, if you don't do this, you can't bake this industry." And so, um, embrace it. It's not always fun, but but uh, you know, compliance first.
0: Yeah, if you don't like compliance, this is definitely not the industry for no. you. A hundred percent. Well, Tyler, thank you so much. I learned a ton, and I hope everybody else out there did as well. And uh, thank you again. And um, keep, uh, keep doing what you're doing.
1: Will do. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Appreciate it.
0: All right. Take care.